Appreciate all our volunteers that help with them every week. Such a blessing. Amen. All right, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 13 this morning. John chapter 13. This so far this year we have been uh, we have been talking about the word the Lord gave us for uh, 2020, which was that uh, that we were going to see clearly and we were going to have the we were going to see ourselves the way God sees us, and we're going to uh, you know not only not only see just see ourselves that way, but we're going to see the same way God sees. As a matter of fact, let's do this. I, we sung that song that there was that line in the song this morning. Let's stand to our feet again, real quick. Grab your Bible. And let's make us a confession this morning. Amen. And, uh, you know, because, because uh, how many of y'all have not acknowledged some things last week? Any of y'all put, my, put our sermon into practice and, and acknowledge some things, that talk about some things that we talked about last week? And we gave you that handout, the, you know, the things that, to acknowledge. Well, one of the things you can acknowledge is that you believe the Word, right? So let's hold our Bible up and let's make this confession. Say, I am who the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I can have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. And my heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of y'all believe that? Amen. Well, that you just acknowledged some things, amen? You acknowledged you believe the Word. So, so that's a good place to start, amen? But we've been looking at, at James. Uh, we've seen the Scripture in James where it talks about uh, how we're supposed to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. How we look in the mirror, we put this picture up, and, and we talk about how that we need to find ourselves in the Word, see ourselves, see what God says that we can do, see what God says we can have, uh, you know, see what see what the word says about us, and then and then put it into practice. Not just read it, not just read it and forget about it, but every single day of our lives, put it into practice. Last week we 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 talked a little bit about that scripture where it talks about put off and put on, and and how we put off the old man and put on the new man. And uh, this week, as I was praying and just asking the Lord about you know which direction to go, because we kind of finished up that those thoughts that we had about that. I was asking the Lord about which way to go because I'm looking for some. Um, I was at, just looking for some practical things that I can give you guys concerning about. Okay, you know, what are some things that we uh, that we can find in the Word that tells us who we are, that what we have, what we can do, different things like that. You know, what are some things that we can really uh, look for in the Word? And the Lord took me back to this, and of course, this was Valentine's week, and everybody was talking about love, and everybody was talking about. Um, you know, uh, sharing the pictures and everything of each other and, and you're the one, you know, your spouses. And of course we had a Valentine's banquet. And so, so the Lord took me back to, uh, to some things that he shared with me when Stacy and I first started getting the vision of the church. You know, we were, uh, Stacy and I had moved, we moved here in 2000 and we were an associate pastor at a church. We had, we had served, we served there for like two and a half years and, then we, we stepped out in March of 2003, and we pioneered Destiny in our living room. We had about four or five couples that we started with, and, and a couple of them are still with us. Stephen and Penny are still with us. That They were there the very first Sunday uh, and, uh, you know, in our living room. And, and so, you know, so that has been over, what, 17 years ago, coming up 17 years in March. And, uh, but one of, the things the Lord, one of the things the Lord really spoke to me about 
when when he started sharing the vision with me back it was probably back probably like November December January of that year of 2002 and then January of 2003 when the Lord really started putting on my heart what he wanted to do about birthing destiny and one of those was that it was going to be a it was going to be a place it was going to be a church to where we would focus on and teach on the love of God and because I had been through I had been through two or three experiences through my years that where I saw people that uh, I saw things that should never happen in church, I saw things, I saw people get hurt. I saw people, uh, I, I saw things that, that, you know, that you, that you, you would only think of that were make, that were made up or something, you know, but, but people really did a lot of, you know, the, the place that you, the place that you think would be the safest is a lot of times the place you can get hurt the worst. And unfortunately, through the years, church has been one of those places. And people, people say things, they do things. Sometimes it's unintentional, and then other times people do it intentionally. And, and that's the sad part. But when the Lord started talking to me about, about pioneering, and I was an associate pastor, and, and, you know, and, and I really I, I wanted to move away, I wanted to get away from here. And, uh, and, but the Lord started talking to me, and I remember a couple things that He spoke to me. One of them, He said this, He, he, he asked me this question. He said, Stephen, he said, where will they go if you don't open that church? And, and you know, and I know there's a lot of other great churches in town. I know we're not the only church. But, but what he was saying, what, what God spoke to me that night when he shared that with me, was that he said there's a group of people that are waiting for that church to open. And, and you know, and y'all are sitting here today. If we had never opened this church, you wouldn't be in this building. I don't know what this, this building may have been torn down or something. We don't know. You know, I mean, but but God saw fit through the through the, the His destiny, through His plan that you know that that we started the church and we and you know got in this building and you're here today because of that, Amen. But one of the scriptures, one of the one of the foundational scriptures, and it's where it's actually where we get our like if if you see on our sign all of our literature, you know, uh, it says Destiny Bible Church and it says touching lives with the love of God. And one of the scriptures that God gave us. Um, when he when when he first started talking about it opening the church was here in in John chapter thirteen and verse thirty four and thirty five, and he said this. He says, "This is Jesus talking," and Jesus said this. He said, "A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another." And then notice verse thirty five. Thirty five has always been an interesting verse to me because listen to what Jesus said. He says. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Now you would think that if, if we're if we're trying to show the world that we're his disciples, you would think Jesus would say the love you have for your for the world, or the love you have for sinners, or the, the love you have for something else. But notice what Jesus said. He said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now notice that He's, Jesus said that if that when the church learns to love one another, then the world will know that we're His disciples. There's so many times that the world sees the church fighting and splitting and starting new churches and 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 doing this and doing that and and nobody you know and and how many people probably everybody in here knows somebody that has been hurt in church that is not going to church right now. Because of something that happened 
whether something that was said or done or, or you know, insinuated or whether it was meant or not meant, whatever the case may be. But we all know people. I know people. I, I still know people that have been hurt and, and aren't in church today. I was talking to somebody yesterday, as a matter of fact, and they, I was sharing a story with them and, and, um, the Lord had me sharing this story with them and I didn't know why, you know, and, and I was just, I was sharing something with them I heard Brother Hagin say and, and, and he, he came back and told me, he said, he said, man, you don't know how relevant that is. He said, he said, I was just having the conversation with a family member about the very thing you said. And he said, somebody, somebody said something to them in church and they got offended and they got upset and they left the church and they, and he said, I was just having this very conversation. And he said, and he said, thank you for sharing that because it, it confirms some things, you know, and, and so people, this is not something that, that happened years ago, but people still to this day, people get hurt in church every week. And that shouldn't be. And, you know, and, and Jesus here said, He said that He gives, He says, a new commandment I give unto you. Now you realize, you know, so many people, they, they make big arguments and they, there's whole movements about getting the Ten Commandments back in school and, 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 you know, and that's, and that's good in its own, I guess, but, but here I want you to notice something that Jesus said here. He said that He's given us a new commandment. And here's the thing about this new commandment. This new commandment, if we obey this, this new commandment that Jesus said He gave us under the new covenant, then guess what? You won't have any problem with the Ten Commandments. Because this new commandment said this. Notice what He said back in verse 34. He said, he said A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. So Jesus said the same way that He loved us. And how did He love us? How did Jesus love us? He loved us unselfishly. He loved us completely. His love was not one that where He did something to get something back. I mean, His love was just so, His love was so unselfish. And it was all about just the, for the good of somebody else. And, and Jesus said this, He said, He said, I want, He said, here's the new commandment. I want you to love your neighbor. Well, this, He doesn't say the neighbor in this other places. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. But here He said, He said, I, you know, that you love one another as I have loved you. Because here's the thing. You look at the list of the Ten Commandments. When you look at the list of the Ten Commandments, if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love you, I'm not going to murder you. If I love you, I'm not going to covet what you have. If I love you, I'm not going to cheat on your, you know, with, with your wife or, or, you know, or, uh, you understand what I'm saying? All those Ten Commandments, you can go down the line. And if you love somebody, that's not something that you would do. So if you fulfill this one commandment, the love commandment, it fulfills, it fulfills the rest of the, the Ten Commandments. You know, so here he said, Jesus said this, but then he said, but, but then he, he paid special attention here, like down in verse 35, he says that this is how people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And that was the, one of the verses that God gave me, and he said this, he said that, he said that destiny, he wanted destiny to be a place where people could come in and they could find and fulfill their destiny. But even more than that, not only that, but that destiny would be a place where hurt people could come and find love again. That have been hurt in churches and, and hurt in, in different things. And listen, and, and like I said, there, that's some of the worst hurt that you'll ever have, is when you get hurt in church. But here's what I want you to see. The practical side of this is this. The love of God is something that every one of us can put into practice. We, you know, we, um, it's a choice that we have. The Bible says this. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. 
So every one of us, if you are a Christian, if you have, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior and, and you've confessed Him to be your Lord, you have the love of God on the inside of you. It's not a question of if you can love, it's a question of will you love. Will you love your neighbor? Will you love one another? Will you love the person sitting on the right and left of you, in front of you and behind you? Will you love them the way Jesus loved them? Well, will you love them the way Jesus loved you? Turn with me to 1 John. I want to, I want to just share a couple scriptures with you here. And we're going to talk about, these are some things that we can, the, the ways that we can, uh, that we can learn how to, if we can learn how to do this, and we can put this into practice, because see, this is, the Bible tells us that God is love. That's not just an attribute of Him. God is love. And, and if we're, and we're designed to be just like Him. So, so there has to be, we have to see this and understand this. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, and let's look at verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. John said this. He said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Think about that just for a moment. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the, the sons of God? That, that statement just within itself is an incredible... I don't know if you've thought about that or not, but that God would think enough of you and me to call us sons and daughters. That's a powerful love. He entrusted us. He loved us enough to where He called us. He called you. He called me. Sons and daughters of God. That, that is a powerful love. Now skip down to verse 14. Skip down to verse 14, and, and I want to show you a couple things here. Verse 14, he goes on to say this. He says, we know, now listen to this. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Did you hear that? John said, now Jesus said, he said, he said, this is the way that, that the world is going to know that you're his disciple if you love, if, if the church learns to love one another. Then, here in 1 John, John tells us, he said this, he said, you want to know, and, and basically we could put it, I could put it a different way. We could say it this way. This is a good way to see if, to, to know whether you're growing up in the Lord or not. Maturing in the Lord. He said, here's how you know that you're maturing in the Lord. Because John said, John said, he said, here, he said here, here's how you know if you pass from death to life. Now, we've talked about that, how that death is the old man. The, you know, when you become a Christian, what does it say? Old things are passed away, all things become new. Death over into life. Death, the sin is death. Life is, is godliness. Right? So John, John said here in 1 John, he said, this is how you'll know if you've passed from death to life. How do you know that, John? If you love your brother and sister. If you love the one on the right and left and front and behind you. Now sometimes, and we, we might all agree and say, well, that's not that bad. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes they say things about you. Sometimes they do things that you don't want them to do. And you know what we have to do? We have to grow up and love them anyway. 
We can't, we can't be so easily offended that we let every little thing affect us. To where, because what happens, and we've all done it, and we've all seen it, and we probably know people right now, some of you, I hope none of y'all are, are living in this right now, but we probably know people that are, that have, have gotten away from God because somebody offended them. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. John said that here's how you know that you pass from life to death if you have love for the brethren. And then he goes on to say this, He that loveth not his brother abides in death. So if you don't have love... If, now listen, Now this, I should have warned you this at the beginning. I'm probably going to step on some toes today. Because, because this is one of those, this is one of those messages to where, um, we've all been affected by it, and we all have opportunity to be affected by it. But it's still truth. John, and, and like I said, John said here, he said that, he said, this is how you know you've passed from death to life, if you love your brethren. And then he said, if you don't love your brother, then you're abiding in death. And, and we could we could add to that, and, and not I don't think it takes anything away from the scripture. We could say it this way: If you don't love your brother, it shows how immature you are in the Lord. If you're one that holds grudges, if you're one that that won't release a a you know a fault from somebody. Now listen, I, and I understand there there you know just because just because let me see how to say this: You can love somebody and not really like them. Just because you love somebody don't mean you have to be best friends. It doesn't mean you even have to associate yourself with them. But if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, and we're going to see this here in these Scriptures, the Bible says that if you hate somebody, you've as much as murdered, murdered them. And so th- this is not something that we need to play with. We have to learn how to love now listen, we have to learn how to love first the body of Christ. I have to learn how to love everybody in here. And you know what? I even have to learn people, I even have to learn how to love people that talk bad about me. That talk bad and leave the church and take other people with them. I still have to learn how to love them. In the flesh, you want to hit them. In the flesh, you want to, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've wanted to have the ministry of laying on of hands several times with certain people. But you know what? But you have to learn how to love people. And that doesn't mean that you have to keep letting them do the same thing over and over again. That's not, you know, just because you love somebody, you don't excuse their behavior or you don't, you know, you don't let them run over you. But in the Lord, you have to learn how to love people and not hold grudges and not hold fault against people. Amen. Now he goes on. If you like that, you'll like the rest of it. Amen. So he said, so verse 14, we know that we pass from death unto life because we love our brother, the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Wow. Now you, you, this is the whole thing about the new covenant. You know, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Love, love one another as I've loved you. Jesus was also the one that said this. 
You see, because because the, the new, we love the new covenant, and, and I'm so gr- grateful we're under the new covenant. But Jesus took the new covenant to levels, to a greater level than most people ever wanted him to take it to. Because he said this. He said, he said, you know, the prophets of old have told you that if that if you you know that if you have sex with a woman that's not your wife, you've committed adultery. But Jesus said, but I tell you that if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And it goes with women, with men too. That's not only a verse for men. Jesus also said this. He said, the prophecy said, you know, if you kill somebody, you know, you're a murderer. He said, but I say that if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. So see, Jesus went from, in the new, under the new covenant, under the old covenant, it was the act. It was, you know, you committed murder. You committed adultery. You, you've, you know, you did that, the act of doing that. Jesus came over into the new covenant. He said, it's no longer, he said, you don't have to do the act. He said, if you just have the thought, the, the intent to do it. And you might say, well, wow, man, that, that takes it to a whole new level. But then, isn't that also the same thing that Jesus just said? He said, but also, listen to this. The new commandment, he said, this new commandment I give you is this, that if you love, he said, he said that, uh, that, you know, he said, you're supposed to love your neighbor as I love you. Now, all of these things, listen, a lot of these things, to be honest with you, are almost, are almost impossible to keep. That's the reason, and I've said this many times, and, 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 and I'll say it, you know, until the Lord tells me to stop saying it. That's the reason that the Christian life is impossible to live in the flesh. We are a spirit being, and if we're going to live a successful Christian life, we're going to have to do it spiritually, living out of our spirit, not out of our flesh. Because living out of our flesh, when people say things and do things, we want to, we want to lash back. But spiritually, the way God, aren't you glad, aren't you glad that God doesn't lash back at us every time that we do something? Aren't you glad that He's long suffering? And that He's forgiving? And that He's gracious. And then Jesus turns right around and tells us, Now, you love, you love your brother like I love you. So this is something, this is a practical way that we can look, that we can see ourselves, we can live the way God wants us to live, is when we learn to love our brothers and sisters. Verse 16, he goes on to say this. Hereby know we the love of God. So here he says, he says, here's how we, he says, here's how we perceive, hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know what that's saying in a nutshell? That's saying put other people in front of you, in front of yourself. Chapter 4, verse 7. Let's look at a little bit of from chapter four. Now, all of this you could read all of First John's incredible book, the whole book. But I'm just picking out just a few verses here. First John four verse seven says this: "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love." So see, I mean, now sometimes we read that and we just glance over and it's like, well, yeah, that works fine for everybody but that person. I love everybody, but I ain't going to love them. Well, that don't work. Because God says He loves everybody. And He is love. Right? 
Verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins or the substitute or the sacrifice for our sins. So, beloved, if, he, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So he said this. He said, he said don't think that this is something about you. He said, cause here, he said, let me tell you what true love is. True love is that God loved you first. And since God loved you, see, because some of you, I can, I, can, I can hear the wheels turn. Some of you are like, I can't love like that. I can't love that person. You don't know what they did to me. But see, he, he answered, that, he answered that, that objection by saying this. He said, here is what love is. That God sent His only Son to die for you. And to be honest with you, He sent His only Son to die for the worst sinner that's ever lived. The person that did the worst thing that you could ever imagine to you, God loves them as much as He loves you. And then He tells us, He says, now, and I want you to love them that way too. Now, it gets better, I promise. That's that's kind of rough. That's kind of hard. But here he goes on to say this. He says, no man, verse 12, we're going to read just a few verses here. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love is perfected or matured in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him. And He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in Him and He in God. Now listen to these next couple verses. And we have known and believed the love that God hath toward us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God is in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Now listen to this. He says, herein is our love made perfect. That we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. The, the, uh, the Living Bible says this. Let me read from the Living Bible. It says, We know how much God loves us because we have felt His love and because we believe Him when He tells us that He loves us dearly. God is love and anyone who lives in love is living with God and God living in them. Verse 17 says this, And as we live with Christ, our love grows more perfect and complete. So we will not be ashamed and embarrassed at the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence and joy because He loves us and we love Him too. As He is, so are we in this world. Now, we use that Scripture a lot of times for a lot of different things, but notice the context that He's talking about. He's talking about love. He's talking about how God is love, God loves everybody, and we're to love everybody the same way. And then He makes that statement... At, at, just as Jesus is, just as, just as He is, so are we in this world. Well, when that pertains, if you keep it in context here, He's talking about love. Just like Jesus loves everybody, so are we to be in this world. We are to love everybody. 
And therefore, we won't be ashamed or we won't be uh, uh, terrified or afraid on Judgment Day. Why? Because we, because I love you the way Jesus loves me. And I don't hold grudges and I don't get offended and I don't get upset in the Spirit. If I walk in the flesh, I get offended, I get upset, I get mad, I say things I shouldn't say. When you live in the flesh, when you when you operate out of the flesh, but remember, we're learning we're learning to see ourselves and to to see our circumstances the way God sees them. How is that? Out of our spirit, man, I can love somebody that even that is is unlovable toward me. Now, if you live in the flesh, you're going to have a hard time with that. But this is one of those practical ways that when you start living out of your spirit. You can start, you can start experiencing the true love of God, the love that He has towards you. You can turn that back around and share it with somebody else. Verse 18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Look at verse 18 from the Amplified. Paul will put it up there in the Amplified. Verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect, or we could say mature love, turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love it is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. If you're afraid of what God's going to do to you, then you don't understand love. Because love, when you understand God's love toward you, you understand that that judgment is no longer an issue because God's already judged Jesus on the cross. And, and because of that, then we can live in verse 17... And as He is, so are we in this world. Now, turn with me to Colossians 3. Now, I want to show you this. Because this, this is the verse that the Lord took me to. And I, I really want to make sure I get this brought out here. Colossians chapter 3. As, I was, as the Lord started talking to me about, um, about, this, about walking in love and, and you know, seeing ourselves the way God sees us and walking in this, here in Colossians chapter 3, and let's, we'll just look at verses 12 through 14. And we could look at this in, in a lot of different translations, but I want to read it from the King James and then the Amplified, and then I want to read it from the Passion Translation too. Listen to this. In the King James it says, this is Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. He, Paul said this, he said, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity. That word charity is the word love. Above everything else, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, notice that he said to put on. We talked, last week we saw that scripture where it says, put off the old man and put on the new man. We, there, this is the part that you play. You have to put on the garment of love. 
when people do things and say things, now, and I'll even say this, if you're not wearing the garment of love already, when they do it, you'll be a whole lot more likely to be in the flesh. You better be wearing the garment of love before somebody says something and does something. Because if, 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 you, if you wait until, until something bad happens, you're going to have a hard time finding that garment. You'll turn around and there'll be a baseball bat there or something. Instead of a garment, right? I mean, you know, you'll find something to hit them with, something to throw at them. Listen to the Amplified. The Amplified says this, Clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, His own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by, well-beloved by God Himself. Now, listen, by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourself, gentle ways, and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering, and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Probably need to read that verse again. Did you see that? Now listen. Let's just read that again. That's, I mean, clothe yourself therefore as God's own chosen ones, His own picked, His own picked uh, representatives, who are purified and holy and well beloved by God Himself by putting on behavior. Now notice it's a it's a choice you make. You're going to put on this behavior marked by tender hearted pity and mercy by kind feeling, by a lowly opinion of yourself. In other words, you could say it that you're, put, you're, going to, you're going to prefer others instead of yourself. Gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Wow. Be gentle, verse 13, be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another, readily pardoning, pardoning that or each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. So do we have a right to hold a grudge against somebody? Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold a grudge against us? And just as He is in this world, so are we. So what does that mean? That means we don't hold grudges. If we have an ought against somebody, we forgive them. We learn to walk in love with people. Now, let me say it again. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. It doesn't mean you have to talk to them every day. But what it does mean is that in your heart, you have to forgive people. You have to learn to walk in love with people. Because if you don't, it's going to affect everything in your life. Listen to this from the Passion Translation. Now, this I love this version of this because here's here's one, here's something I want to I want to make this comment, and this this may I mean this may blow you away, but but man, this is an incredible thought here. Uh, verse twelve: You are all you are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. And be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble. Now listen to this phrase. Unoffendable in your patience with others. 
you know what? You cannot offend me. Now, I don't want you trying. But I'll, I'll boldly make that statement. You will never offend me. You want to know why? Because I'm unoffendable. I, I'm unoffendable. Now, notice what he said. I'm un, be unoffendable in your patience with others. Now, to say that, now, let me, let me, let me qualify that, I guess. I'm, I'll qualify it this way. I'm learning to be unoffendable. Because you know what? To be unoffendable will mean that you're fully mature in love. If you get offended, it's a sure sign that you need to grow up. It's Scripture. Be unoffendable because of your patience with others. Now, how can you do that? Through the love of Christ that's been shed abroad in your heart. You try it in the flesh, it won't work. It has, this has to be coming from within. This has to be a work that God has done on the inside of every one of us. It's His love shed abroad in our heart is the reason that, that we're unoffendable toward other people. If, if every Christian could learn that one truth, how much better off would we be? Unoffendable. Tolerate the gentle and the humble, or no, tolerate, I'm sorry, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each one of these virtues. Now listen to this. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Turn with me to uh, Ephesians. Y'all enjoying this yet? <laughs> hey, this is something we all can grow in, right? I mean, because, you know, now Brother Hagen, I, you know, I, 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 Stacey and I went to move to Tulsa and, and uh, I attended Rama. She worked to put me, put me through school and, uh, to put, you know, so I could attend Rama and, I'd come home and preach to her all night when I when we would see. I worked a second shift job, so we didn't see each other much. Um, you know, maybe at supper time or something, I'd come home and see her. But but I shared with her everything I was learning there at Rama. But one thing one thing about Brother Hagen, there's two two messages. If if you think of Brother Kenneth Hagen, there's two messages that that you know that you know that he's well, more well known for anything, and that's faith and love. You know, Brother Hagen would teach on love, and he and Brother Hagen put such an emphasis on love that he would even go so far as to say that that anytime he even started getting sick, the first place he checked was his love walk. Mm, he said that if, if he if he got if he felt his, something coming on his body, he said the first thing he would check to make sure that he he wasn't holding offense towards somebody, because he said because he would say he'd say a step out of love is a step into sin. Once you step out of love toward a brother or sister in Christ, once you, once you allow yourself to be offended with somebody, notice I said you allow yourself to be offended with somebody, you stepped into the devil's to domain. That's good. And out from under the umbrella of, of God. And, you, and, and that's, that's not a place we want to be. Amen? We want to stay, we want to stay under His umbrella. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. So Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen talked a lot about love and, and he shared... You know, 
I mean, just some incredible insights about love. And I've got a story I want to share with you here after I read this scripture. Now, this is in Ephesians chapter 3. This is part of the, the prayers that, that if you guys are praying these prayers with us that, that I handed out to you, that, that you pray this prayer every day if you pray it and, and when you pray these prayers. But uh, And every day I read this, man, God just, it seems like he's just opening this up more and more, this particular passage here in Ephesians chapter 3. And it says this, we'll just pick up in... Uh, um, well, let's look at verse 16. This is kind of where the prayer starts. And, and I'm just going to read this from the Amplified because I, that's the way I gave it to you guys. And uh, verse 16 from the Amplified, Ephesians 3 verse 16 says this, May He grant you out of the rich treasury of His glory. Now, and of course, you know, the uh, we personalize that. So, so I'm going I'm to read this like I would pray it. Okay, this, this is the way I pray this prayer every day. Father, I pray that you may grant me, out of the rich treasury of your glory, to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling my innermost being and personality. Jesus, may you, through my faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make your permanent home in my heart. Now listen to these next couple verses here. Father, I pray that I... That I may be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Now notice, let's stop and just look at that as we're reading it. Notice what he said. He said he, he prayed that they would be rooted deeply in love. What's the importance of deep roots? Stability. When the storm comes, that tree's not going to be moved. The deeper the roots go, the stronger the storm's got to be to move that tree. And when Paul was praying for the church, he, he prayed and he said, he said, I pray that you would be rooted deep in love. So I pray that every day, God, may I be rooted deep in love. Now, what's that going to do for me? That's going to help me be unoffendable. If I'm rooted in love, when you say something or do something, somebody comes against me or my family or, or the church or whatever the case may be, or just at work or at, you know, somebody at a store you're at or a restaurant or whatever the case may be, if I'm rooted deep in love, then you know what? I, 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 I can walk away from that without it affecting me. Now, if my roots are shallow and the first little wind blows... Timber. There goes your testimony. You know, because you done said something, done something, you know. But he said, he said, he said, I want you to be, his prayer was that you would be rooted deep in love and, and founded securely on love. So not only rooted, but that your foundation would be secure. You know, it's the difference between just putting up like a, um, like just a metal building you see, and you, or maybe like a tent. You put a tent up, and one of those pop-up tents. And how many times have you been to the beach and you see, you know, somebody have one of those pop-up tents, and they don't, they don't secure the legs, and a big gust of wind comes, and the next thing you know, you see somebody running down the beach chasing a tent. You know why? Because that that wind blew that thing over. But if you take some if you take some sandbags or something and put on that put on that thing, the wind can come and it won't it won't affect it. Or better yet, even look at your house, right? Your house is, is founded securely. It's bolted securely on that foundation. So hopefully when the wind comes, it's not going to blow it off. Right? So we're rooted 
in love, deeply in love, and we're founded securely. Our foundation is strong in the love of God. Verse, uh, verse 19. And I'm reading this the way I read it. So, Father, I pray, I, I pray that, that I may have the power and that I would be strong to apprehend and to grasp with all the saints, with all these wonderful people here at Destiny Bible Church, God's devoted people. Now listen. Now listen to what he said. Listen to the language he used. He said, I pray that, you would, that I would have the power and that I would be strong to apprehend. Now when you think of that word apprehend, what do you think of? When I think of the word apprehend, I think of like a police chase or something. The police apprehended the suspect. You know, it took effort. It didn't just happen. I mean, if you apprehend something, that means you put some effort in it. And now notice what he said. Now, he said, that. He said, I pray that I would have the power and that I would be strong to apprehend and to grasp. Now, what is it that he's, that he's saying that needs power and you need to be strong and you're going to apprehend something and you're going to have to grab hold of something? What is it he's saying that about? He said, he said that you would have the power and be strong to apprehend and to grasp with all the saints, all of God's devoted people, the experience of that love. Listen, it takes more than Sunday Christianity to walk in love. You have to be founded. You have to be secure. Your roots have to go deep. You have to be strong. You have to, you have to have power to grab hold of it and to hold on to it and to, and to experience the love of God. Why? Because everything in this world is fighting against that. Everything in this world is trying to separate you from His love. Every TV show, every newspaper, every news uh, station on TV. Listen, why do you think all that they show is the negative? Because they don't want to show the positive. They don't want to show you what's good, what's going on good in the in the economy or in the in the workplace. Or they they only want to show you the bad. Why? So so that it'll pull you away from it. You'll lose confidence in it. Well, that's the devil's scheme in, in the things of God. If he can pull you away from God and get you further away from God, then you won't have confidence toward him. But if you're rooted securely and grounded securely in him and you're strong and you're apprehending what the love of God, the experience of that love, then nothing's going to move you. Wow. So the power and be strong to apprehend and to grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What Now listen, he goes on to say this, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? And then verse 19, this is incredible. Listen to what he says. That you may really come to know, particularly through experience for yourself, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Now listen, here's a good way I could, that I can say this. You know, I love my wife. And, uh, you know, when we, when we first met, she was uh, she lived she was going to Liberty University and I was living in Boone and then she moved back home with her parents shortly after that and uh, and Knoxville and I lived in Boone and um, that was before the days of cell phones and I'm, I'm not that old but but <laughs> it's not been that long ago that we didn't have cell phones and um, 
and you know, and and, and I, the first the first telephone bill I had, my dad about uh, is a wonder I'm still alive, I guess, because he about killed me when he saw that long distance bill because it was something like four hundred dollars or something like that after that first month after I met Stacy. But but you know, we took pictures of each other and we had pictures and we would we would look at those pictures and because it would be like sometimes a week or two weeks before we would see each other. And it was great to be able to look at the picture. But you know what? Once I got in her presence, I wasn't carrying her picture around any longer. Because I could hold her hand, I could I could kiss her lips, I could I could hug her. Right? Instead of just looking at a picture. Now the picture showed me what she looked like. And it reminded me, it reminded me of her. But how much, you, how many of you know it's a whole lot better to be in her presence than looking at a picture? And here, what, what Paul prayed was this. He said, I pray that you would really experience God for yourself. Don't let it be just a story in a book. Learn to let the love of God do something for you. Learn to let the love of God persuade you. Learn to let the love of God uh, apprehend you. Learn to let the love of God affect how you, how you treat other people. Because, because when you experience it for yourself, the psalmist David said it this way, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? I mean, it's not just, not just a story, but that you experience it for yourself because when you experience it for yourself, that's far better than just reading the story about it. And then he goes on to say this. Now listen, what will it, you know, why, why is Paul making such a big deal about the love of God? And, and fully grabbing it and, and understanding it? Notice the rest of this verse. He says, about halfway through the verse, he says, "...that you may be filled through all of your being unto the fullness of God." that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence, and that you would become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. Wow. That when you experience the love of God, when you're rooted in, and your foundation is strong, and you, and you apprehend the love of God and you start experiencing it, what happens? You become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. Wow. The, uh, the mirror translation is pretty cool in that verse. Let me read this just a couple of verses to you, and then and then I want to finish up here. This is the mirror translation. It says this: Love is your reservoir of superhuman strength, which causes you to see everyone equally sanctified in the context of the limitless extent of of love's breadth and length, and the extremities of its dimensions in the depth in its depth and height. But now listen, listen to these verses, uh, verse 19. Uh, wait, let me make sure I didn't miss something here that I wanted to. Oh, I did. Verse 17. I missed, I missed verse 17. Verse 17 said this, This will ignite your faith to fully grasp the reality of the indwelling Christ. Now listen, you are rooted and founded in love. Love is your invisible inner source, just like the root system of a tree and the foundation of a building. So love is your reservoir of superhuman strength, which causes you to see everyone equally sanctified in the context of the limitless extent of love's breadth and length and the extremities of its dimensions and depth and height. I desire for you to become intimately acquainted with the love of Christ on the deepest possible level, far beyond the reach of mere academic or intellectual grasp, 
But within the scope of this equation, God finds the ultimate expression of Himself in you. God finds the ultimate expression of Himself in you when you learn to walk in love. What are we talking about? We're talking about looking in the mirror of the Word and seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And how does God see us? See, how does God see us? He sees us as men and women who show His love to other people. Now, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen, uh, if you, if you listen to, to many of his sermons, especially about love, you know, Brother Hagen equated many things to his love walk. And he, he talked many times about, uh, and I shared this earlier, but about how that when he, when he would get out of, uh, when, if he started to get, to get sick or started to have trouble, his prayers wasn't getting answered, he would automatically go to his love walk. And he would see if, make sure that he, that he wasn't out of love with somebody. And, you know, or hadn't, hadn't, wasn't holding a grudge or offended at somebody that, that, you know, or whatever the case may be. Brother Hagin put a huge emphasis on that. And, uh, so he told this story one time about how he went to this, this, uh, this place and, and he was ministering. And, uh, and, so he, he, he was ministering along the line, these lines, along the lines of love. And he read the same scripture that, that I had read about where it says that if you hate your brother, that you're a murderer and, and no murderer has eternal life in him. So they, they went out to eat that night and the pastor's wife, uh, he could tell she was kind of upset and kind of troubled. And so, so, you know, most of the people left and it was just him and, him and Miss Aretha and the, the pastor and his wife and, and he looked over at her and he said, he said, he said, man, was something bothering you, you know? And, and she said, well, yeah. She said, something you said just really, is really bugging me. And she said, I'm really just confused about it, to be honest with you. And he said, well, what is it? And she says, well, you said that if, if you hate somebody, that you're, you're the same as a murderer and that you don't have eternal life. And Brother Hagin said, well, he said, he said, I just read the scripture. He said, that's what the scripture said. And she said, and he says, well, what, what's confusing about that? And she looked at him and she says, well, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said he kind of chuckled. And she looked at him and said, no, seriously. She said, I hate her. And he said, I, she said, I just hate her. And, and so Brother Hagen said, you know, after a couple minutes, he, he asked her a couple more questions and to just to locate her. But he said, he, he said he, the Lord gave him, you know, gave him some, you know, some insight into what was happening. And he told her this. He said, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to, uh, he said, I want you to say that again. But he said, this time when you say it, he said, I want you to check what, what's going on down here in your spirit. Yeah, he said, not your head, but your spirit. So he, he said, I want you to look me right in the eyes, and I want you to tell me you hate your mother-in-law. So he did, he, or she did, she, you know, said she, she straightened herself up, and she looked, him, looked Brother Hagin straight in the eyes, and she says, I hate my mother-in-law. And Brother Hagin said, now, he said, now let me ask you this. He said, he said what happened down here? And she said, well, she said, she said, it just didn't feel right. And Brother Hagin told her, he said, well, see, he said, he said, uh, he said, you have to understand the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, not in your head. He said, your problem is that, he said, he said, you, you've been trying to, he told her, he said, you've been trying to love her out of your head and not out of your heart. And he said, you've been going on your emotions and on your feelings and, and out of your head. And he said, if you'll start loving her out of your heart, he said, that relationship will start changing. And he said, I want, he said, so I want you to start saying, 
He said, I just want you to start saying, every time you think about it, he said, I just want you to start saying, I love my mother-in-law. So she said, all right, I'll do that. So she was there, uh, Brother Hagin was there, like he used to hold services for like three and four weeks at a time, six and seven weeks, sometimes at places. And so he, so about the third week into this meeting, that was like one of the first days of the meeting, about the third week of the meeting, he got a phone call from, from this, from the pastor and, and he said, uh, uh, and he knew that there, they had a, the, the pastor of this church and his wife had a son that had like, uh, seizures and, and has some medical conditions and they, the doctors hadn't been able to quite figure out exactly what was wrong and, and with this and they had run all kinds of tests and they couldn't figure anything out and, and, uh, and, uh, the pastor called Brother Hagin and said, well, it was right before church, and Brother Hagin was getting ready to, to go to the church. He said, well, would you, he said, would you care to stop by the parsonage before you get to the church? He said, because our son's going into one of these seizures, and, and said, you know, we can tell when he's getting ready to go into them, but we can't do nothing to stop them. And said, but we can tell he's getting ready to have this seizure. Will you stop at the parsonage and help us pray? And Brother Hagin said, sure, I will. So they got in their car, and they left the hotel and was going to the parsonage and, and to the church and he said all the way there he was just praying in the spirit and just you know getting ready for the service really but he said the lord spoke up to him said just as clearly as he'd ever heard it said the lord told him said do not pray for that boy brother he's like what he said don't pray for him he said why he said he's getting ready to have a seizure they asked me to pray for him he said so what you know and, and said the lord the lord said said you tell her this when you get there he said you look at her and he said you you tell her this Said, said that, that your hatred or the hatred that you had in your head towards your, towards your mother-in-law has opened up a door for the enemy to attack your son. And he, and Brother Hagin, and the Lord told Brother Hagin, said, you tell her, said, you point your finger at this, as your boy and you command, you tell Satan that you, that you are through hating your mother-in-law, that you love her now and that for him to take his hands off of your son. So he got there, and sure enough, this boy, I mean, he, he was just getting ready to, you know, you could tell he was, a seizure was coming on, and, and, uh, and, and, and she's like, hurry, let's pray, let's pray before the seizure comes. And, and Brother Hagin said, I, he said, I can't pray. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And he told her what the Lord said. And he said, he said, no long, he said he had no longer said the words, you know, to tell her what to say. She turned around and looked at her son, and, and she yelled, she said, Satan, she said, I do not hate my mother-in-law. She said, I love my mother-in-law. And she said, you take your hands off my son right now in Jesus' name. And just like that, that seizure stopped. Amen. And Brother Hagin said, to this day, he don't think that kid's had another seizure. But, but the hatred or the, the emotions that that woman was, was thinking in her head toward her mother-in-law had opened the door for sickness to come on her son. And when she released that and when she, and when she just made the adjustment in her heart to say, I'm going to start loving her out of my heart, her son was healed. Now, you might say, well, well Pastor, where's the Scripture for that? Well, if you remember the Old Testament... If you remember the Old Testament, the Bible says, Jesus, or, or God told the people in the Old Testament, He said, if you'll diligently hearken to the words of, of my, of the, to my words, and you do all of the commandments, in Deuteronomy 28, He said, none of these sicknesses and diseases will come upon you. And, and that was under the Old Covenant. Well, how much better of a New Covenant do we have? That if we'll just believe, if we'll just obey, listen, if we'll just obey the first commandment that Jesus gave us in the new covenant, which is what? A new commandment I give you. Love, love each other like I love you. 
And when you do that, then you know what? It, the, the enemy can't, doesn't have room to operate. Listen, you can, I, I mean, and I challenge you guys to even, to even make that declaration that you are unoffendable because you have the love of Christ in you. Now, like I said, don't test each other. <laughs> don't test me either. Y'all don't test me in that. Don't try to offend me. <laughs> but I, I was talking to another pastor the other day, and he was telling me a problem he had, and we were going to meet for breakfast. And I told him, I said, well, I said, here's the only way I'll meet you. I said, just, I said you don't bring no problem people with you. you know. And I said, I'll meet with you. You know, I was just picking on him. He was telling me all his troubles that he had. But, but listen, you, if, if you learn, if we learn to walk in the love of God, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prayed and said, he said, when you start experiencing the love of God like this, then you will become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. Takes the flesh out of it. Takes, takes the enemy's opportunity to, to do something against you and your family out of it. Because you're unoffendable, you don't hold grudges. Just as He is in this world, so are you. Or just as He is, so are you in this world. I said that backwards. Well, how is He? He's full of love. God is love. How are you and I to be in this world? Full of love. We're to be showing one another the love of God. If we can't get along... Listen, the first place to start is in the church house. If we can't get along with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we going to get along with the world? John 13. You know, this is, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. When, when they see that you have love one for another. Practical ways. How, how, do we, how do we see the way God sees? I see you the way God sees you. If I look at you the way God looks at you, and I see you through His eyes, I can't hold a grudge against you. I can't be offended at you. I can't, I can't really, I mean, I'll say this, and, and some of you may not believe it, but it's true. I can't even be mad at you if I see you the way God sees you. You know why? Because God's not mad at you. God is good. Every thought He has toward us is good. He's not, he's not full of judgment and, and anger toward us, but He loves us. When I see you the way God sees you, then I treat you the way He would treat you. Well, yeah, but Pastor, what if they say something or do something? What if they do this or do that? Listen, people pluck the beard of Jesus out. They spit on Him. They called Him names. They hid Him. They tore His clothes off of Him. Any of y'all had any of that happen to you? Paul, Paul was, I mean, Paul went through incredible things and and he and he said this. He said he said everything that I've been through. He said I just have. He said it's like a. He said it's like it's just like small stuff. It's nothing compared to the glory that's awaiting. You see, when we truly learn to start walking in love, now can this happen overnight? Well, I mean it can, but more than likely this is something that you and I'll be walking out for the rest of our life. Because we deal with people. I, I've often said, if it wasn't for the people, I'd have the perfect job. But I have to deal with all y'all, so, you know, there you go. So I still have the perfect job. So, You know why? Because I see you the way God sees you. I'm not mad at you. I don't get offended at you. I just I love you because He loves you. 
So let's, let's go this week with the mindset that we're unoffendable. Because we see other people the way God sees them. They may not be perfect. Well, I know that they're, they're not perfect. But through His eyes, through His eyes, they're perfect. And we can, I can love you and you can love me, even with our faults and failures. Unoffendable. Unoffendable with our patience toward one another. That's who we are. That's something else. Last week we talked about that acknowledging. That's something else that you can acknowledge. I'm unoffendable. Why? Because I see you the way God sees you. I love you the way God loves you. And then you know what? When I do that, guess what? Then the blessing comes back on me. Because when we love the way... Uh, Ephesians 3, when, the, when we love that way, then we become that body holy, filled, and flooded with God Himself. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, I pray that that blessed you this morning, and I pray that you uh, take that and, and use that and, and see yourself as unoffendable and, and learn to walk in the love of God. We'll come back and maybe talk a little bit more about that after... Uh, next week we've got Brother Kim Clout. And then after that, we'll come back and, and maybe hit some more of that. Amen. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads just for a moment. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for each one here. I thank you. Thank you, Father, that, uh, that we can grow in this love. Father, the love has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's already there. It's not that, you, that we have to uh, ask you to love us any more than you do because, because you, you so loved us that you already gave us your prized possession. You gave us your Son. So I thank you, Father, that that you are that Father that that we're we are already forgiven and healed and set free and and saved and Father all of those things. I thank you for that. But Lord, help us see one another that way. Help us see each other through your eyes. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We pray your blessings on each one that's here today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, listen. You know, I can't lay hands on you and and. Command that love to grow. It's something you have to do. Each one of us have to grow up in love ourselves. Amen? So this week, work on it. Work on it. And if you find yourself out of love, if you find yourself taking a step out, just realize, whoop, I need to grow up a little bit. I need to mature a little bit more. And get back in the Word and see what the Word has to say about it. Amen? Listen, remember, uh, if you want to pick up a plate... Yep, go ahead. We got 20, 20 of the white meat and 8 of the dark meat because we bought 3 of the dark meat. So. <laughs> and if you signed up, if you signed up for financial peace, uh, come see Stacy real quick and uh, she just got to get some information from you. And then, uh, so with that, God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Leadership meeting tonight at 5. Remember that. And we'll see everybody either tonight or Wednesday. God bless you guys.